Hi, you're listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. We're releasing our sermons so that no matter where you were Friday, you can enjoy a piece of Shabbat today. So take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy some words from Rabbi Dina. So those of you who tuned in last week, and if you didn't tune in last week, you can catch this on Contact High, which is, um, we put all of our sermons on there. Um, so you can listen in if you're like, oh no, I feel like I missed something. But if you did tune in last week, it will come as probably no surprise to you to learn that every day on my calendar, there is an hour blocked out as sacred Peloton time. Yes, you heard that right. Sacred Peloton time. My schedule is pretty busy and some days I have to kind of like Tetris it in between the other blocks in the schedule, but no matter what, sacred Peloton time happens. Why do I call it sacred Peloton time and not just workout break? Oh, how convenient that happens to be the subject of this drosh. And also I will stop talking about Peloton at some point. But I want to start with a quick rewind. So we just finished the holiday of Hanukkah and you've probably heard Rabbi Lizzie or I or any other place that you tuned in for candlelighting talk multiple times probably about bringing in the light and driving out the darkness. What I heard from many of you was that this year was the first time that you actually lit candles every single night and that that was so exciting for you. Some of you, it was the first time you'd ever done that. So maybe it was the fact that there was just like a lot of awesome things happening online that made it possible for you to light candles every night. Maybe it was the fact that, you know, we're all kind of stuck at home. And so what else are you going to do at night? Maybe it was that we just really needed that light. But whatever it was, it took a lot of dedication for you to follow through on that ritual every night for eight nights, which is fitting because the word Hanukkah literally means dedication, not in like a this book is dedicated to sort of way, but in a ritual bestowed with holiness kind of way. The original story of Hanukkah celebrated the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem, the renewal of ritual practices there, and the restoration of Jews having a consistent, meaningful communal religious practice, right? They had decided that that place in Jerusalem, that temple, was sacred and the things that they did there were sacred. And when that was interrupted, there was a loss. It was a real loss for the Jewish people. So when that ritual could be reestablished, it was like a total game changer in terms of the way that people felt. The mitzvah of Hanukkah, the essence of the ritual practice now is just to light a candle. And some of you might've learned a text this week or previously that teaches that we should light a candle every night. And if we wanna do a little bit extra, we light one candle for everyone in our household every night. And if we wanna do extra extra, we increase the candles every night. We light more every night. That whole rigmarole of like lighting colored candles and beautiful Hanukkiahs that we do now, it's what Judaism calls hidur mitzvah, sprucing up or beautifying a mitzvah. It's like the idea that what we do is great, but if we can make it better, all the better. Let's make it more beautiful because we can. So you could just lay out a bunch of votives or stick candles in a potato and check off the requirements of Hanukkah. And you could stick more candles in your potato every night of Hanukkah and be extra extra about Hanukkah. 
but we feel attached to doing it the way we do it with the colored candles and the candelabras and the songs because it's part of the ritual, right? The ritual is not just the moment that we light those candles. It's the whole thing of schlepping out the Hanukkiah from storage and going to the grocery store to find candles and gathering together with the ancient song sheets. My family growing up, we use song sheets that I think were mimeographed. They were my grandma's when she was a young mother. So they're from like, I don't know, the early fifties, these things like they date back to the year one. It's part of the ritual of the holiday. It adds excitement and it adds a sense of sacredness to the holiday. So this year, especially I'm feeling some sadness about putting away my Hanukkah, about not gathering with a different group of friends or Mishkanites or family every night to light candles and sing songs. It became for eight nights, this really comforting nightly ritual that I'm feeling sad about letting go of. So if every holiday has a theme or a message for our lives, Hanukkah's might be, take your life and the things that make it bright seriously, even if others don't. Hanukkah prompts us to consider things that we already have in our lives like light and warmth and treat them as sacred, to bless them, to honor them, to carve out time for them and to be grateful for them, even if they don't feel that big. Right? It teaches us that our dedication to these sacred lights is just that. It's sacred. And so even when we're tired or it's hard or the outside world tries to tell us that it's not all that important, we want to stay committed because we, we believe in the power of the ritual. We are dedicated to our ritual because it increases light and joy in our lives. Sacred or holy, it's kind of a hard word for us to wrap our minds around. It's one thing for me to sit here as the rabbi and talk about the sacred or holy Jewish ritual practice. Like, okay, fine, that makes sense. That fits in the box of things that we think belong with the word sacred. It's quite another to think about bringing this into the rest of our lives, right? Our secular lives. We, we're really busy, first of all. So me trying to tell you that you should be doing more in your regular life is a little bit like, excuse me, no, thank you. I'm busy enough, right? That's how I feel about sacred Peloton time sometimes that I'm like, look at this schedule. Where am I supposed to put this in? And we're not trying to, trying to create stress with our rituals, but I do think that there is something really important to learn about doing that work of Tetrising it in. So I want to give a shout out again to our Exploring Judaism cohort, 24 amazing humans who, in the middle of a global pandemic, decided to go on a spiritual journey for themselves and with this community. And amidst the craziness of living in this time and homeschooling and moving and raising children and applying for jobs and on and on, this cohort made a commitment to themselves and to each other to embark on this serious journey, to dedicate time and to dedicate energy and to dedicate their hearts to the practice of learning about Judaism and bringing it into their life. Some of them are on a journey of conversion. Others are not. Others might be later in lives, but right now they're just dedicated to the fact that they want more ritual. They want more holiness and sacredness in their life. And they decided that Judaism was a good place to go looking for that. But I think there's, right? So like, that's, that's a big commitment. That's a big life change to say, I'm going to commit myself to two hours on Tuesday evenings to learning and practice and all these things. That's a way of bringing sacredness into our lives. And Judaism hands us a lot of that. 
But I think there's another reason that we shy away from thinking and talking about holiness in our day-to-day lives. And it's not just that it's big and we feel busy. I think there's something else that's maybe like a little harder to name or harder to put our finger on, but that gives us a sense of like, oh, I don't know. I want to wiggle away from that one. So Harvard Divinity School fellow Casper Turkayel, who some of you heard speak on Yom Kippur, writes in his book, The Power of Ritual, which by the way, I'm obsessed with that book and I highly recommend everyone read it. Zach is nodding his head like, yes, she's read that book half a dozen times in the last two months. Casper writes that we've been taught to see the world as divided between the sacred and the profane, the religious and the secular. We've been taught that there's somehow a line that makes a church building sacred and a supermarket secular, which makes sense. That vertical line, he writes, is an invention. Instead, imagine a horizontal line between the shallow and the deep. And he explains that many of us try to move ourselves away from talking about our spiritual lives because it feels taboo. It feels like we're sitting here at the bottom of that vertical line in the supermarket or over brunch with friends. And it's like weird to go up the line to a church when you're at brunch. Like that's supposed to belong in a religious setting, not here sitting over coffee. And Hanukkah is our annual Jewish reminder of the horizontal line, of the fact that, no, it's not like secular life lives here, religious life lives here. I can't go from one to the other. Hanukkah is our collective push to get a little closer to the deep end of that horizontal line, to take the things that are already happening in our lives and slide them a little further over, right? Hanukkah's like, oh, that little jar of leftover oil, it's capable of miracles. And if a discarded thimble full of oil can set off an entire eight-day holiday that we've been observing for thousands of years, what little things do you have laying around your life that you can make holy? Judaism certainly gives us a lot of ways to mark and spiritually elevate our time, right? Like through daily prayer, and study, and holidays, and life cycles, and many of you are engaging in those things by coming to Morning Minion, by coming to Shabbat services, right? Clearly, you're already bought in on that because you're here right now. So maybe you want to add more holiness to your life, and you decide to dedicate yourself more fully to your Shabbat practice, and that's great. So what I'm about to say is a yes and, not a but, right? Far be it from me to say, don't bother celebrating Jewish ritual practices. Like, nope, we want you to be here. We need you here because this community couldn't happen without you. And what do you have in your life that is not currently on the deep side of the spectrum that you could pull over just a little bit, that you could move along that shallow to deep horizontal line? And if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, oh no, Rabbi Dina is about to ask a really hard question and she did that last week. No, no, no. I'm not trying to tell you to radically change your life unless that's what you feel you need. In that book that I just quoted, The Power of Ritual, Casper writes that ritual requires intention, attention, and repetition. The idea is that there are things that we are probably already doing or multiple things in our lives that could be rituals if we gave them deep intention, if we gave them our full attention, and if we repeated them again at significant times or regularly. So for example, I walk the dog pretty much every day. 
But most days I don't give it my full attention. I'm on my phone doing emails or whatever it is. So I wouldn't really call it a ritual. On the other hand, I work out every day, but for me, it is more than just exercise. It's a, it's a ritual. It's sacred time. It's time that I dedicate, that I elevate. And so I have an intention for that time, right? My intention is to remind myself that there is always time for me, that my mental well-being depends on my body getting in a good sweat every day. And I pay attention to what, my doing, what I'm doing, to how my body feels as I'm doing it. And I repeat it every day, not because I feel obligated to, but because it is my ritual, it is the thing that gets my mind in the place that allows me to continue to function in all of the other ways that I need it. It elevates my day. And I look forward to that sacred Peloton time block on my schedule, even if it comes at a really weird time of day, which sometimes it does. What I want you to take away from this as the lights of our Hanukkah candles fade in our memories is permission and encouragement to treat the things that you already do as sacred, right? This is literally what happens at Hanukkah. The rabbis inherited this eight day holiday where like all they knew was that there were supposed to be candles involved and there's nothing in the Torah about it. And there's no description of why to celebrate it. They had to come up with all of that. And so they created the intention. They created the story. They determined how to pay attention by setting blessings. And then they told us to repeat it for eight days and every year. So Hanukkah might be over, but we can continue to create daily rituals by bringing intention, attention, and repetition to our daily lives. And instead of waiting for Jewish tradition to come at you with another holiday or waiting for Shabbat every week, flip the vertical line that Casper talked about and think about just moving certain parts of your life along the deep end of that horizontal line, right? Because we move one thing and then we move another. And suddenly we find that our whole life feels a little bit deeper. So we're not asking you, to change your life radically right now. The commitment that the students in the Exploring Judaism class made is remarkable because most of us are not ready to make that kind of commitment. But there are ways that we could make a commitment. So maybe this looks like putting your phone on airplane mode when you take your kid to the park or take your dog on a walk so that you can be present with the kid or the dog and the moment. Maybe you put on music and have a dance party while you cook dinner so that it's not a chore but a ritual. Maybe you make yourself a cup of tea or coffee early in the morning and you do nothing else as you drink it. You just sit there and sip. That's a ritual that I grew up seeing my dad do. He would wake up in the morning, make a cup of coffee, sit down in an armchair and just sip it quietly. And it taught me like, oh, I should start my day with something meaningful. Whatever you do, let that ritual be a light for you. Something that you can use rely on, turn to regularly to deepen your life, to move one by one, each of the components of your life a little further along that line from shallow to deep and make them sacred. Protect them, guard them, bless them, do hidur mitzvah, make them more beautiful. And maybe you'll find your life changing.
You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune in to Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org slash events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Mishkan Chicago. Until then, please feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we want to hear from you. This episode has been brought to you by me, Zach Weinberg, our editor and producer, Hannah Rehack, our rabbinical team, Rabbis Lizzie Heideman and Dina Cowens, and our director of communications, Ashley Donahue. On behalf of Teen Mishkan, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>